And I'm going to read from verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. James William of Beaumont, Texas, he gave his daughter a first name with 32 letters, second name with 17 letters, and it was just a jumble of letters. You really couldn't pronounce it. Within a few weeks, he had her name amended, and he added another 1,019 letters to her first name and 36 more letters to her middle name. Herbert Wolf had 26 names, and his last name was uh, 666 letters long. Now, Wolf was simply the first five letters of his last name. He said about his name, I like to be unique. I don't like being part of the common herd. Well, I guess that made him stand out. Zachary Zazra, now you need to think of R-A at the end and then the all Zs in front. He had nine Zs there, or if you're American, nine Zs. Uh, from San Francisco, he, wanted, he actually adopted that name because he wanted to make sure that he was the last name in the phone book. Well, it's interesting what's in a name. Often when parents name their children, uh, they simply pick a name that they like. For some, they name a child after someone. Others will pick a name with a certain meaning. I think my parents must have just liked the sound of my name because I wasn't named after anyone that I know of. And they certainly didn't pick my name because of the meaning. And they named my younger brother Ronald. So we had Donald and Ronald, Donnie and Ronnie, Don and Ron, and it led to a lot of confusion. Now Donald and Ronald sound alike, and yet they have totally different language origins. Donald's from Gaelic, so think Scottish and Irish, and there are several variations of the name. Ronald's from the Norse language, so think Nor uh, Northern Germanic language. And it gets even more interesting when you look at the meanings of the names. Donald means the ruler of the world. And Ronald means the counselor of the ruler. Now, I wish I knew that when I was young. I would have held that over him. Now, there's a significance in the names as we look at this baby in the manger. Jesus. He is the one who is to rule. He's the true Donald of the world. And so maybe if he'd been, God had chosen the Scottish people as being the people that he had come with, maybe one of his names would have been Donald, world ruler. It would have fit. So I'm not sure why my parents named me Donald, but this morning as I look at who Jesus is, I lay my name down at his feet. I give my name to him, he who is the Donald of the world, the ruler of the world. And so I want to look at Isaiah 9 and 6. Uh, I wish I could go through the whole passage. Uh, we just don't have time this morning, so I'm just going to focus on the names that Isaiah gives to Jesus. And you have to understand, from their culture, names were significant. They didn't just choose a name because they liked it, necessarily. 
but especially when it comes to the names that God chooses for himself, for himself, he's trying to reveal to us who he is. And so Isaiah, as he writes this, he's prophesying under the influence of God, he gives us some great names for Jesus. It reveals who he is. So the first one is wonderful. Uh, wonderful means extraordinarily great or good. Uh, it has the idea of being exciting, a feeling of wonder and awe causing you to marvel. Uh, you could say his name is marvelous. It's extremely good, extremely impressive, astounding, astonishing. And so the glory of who this baby is should fill us with wonder. We should never be able to look at Jesus and be bored because he is wonderful. If you really know him, your heart and mind will be filled with amazement. And we were just having this discussion about heaven. You know, we tend to think of heaven and all the wonderful things we're going to experience and see and do. But the most wonderful is just Jesus. His name is Wonderful. And we should be standing in awe of him. Jesus is wonderful in his birth, wonderful in his words, wonderful in his life, wonderful in his miracles, wonderful in his death, wonderful in his resurrection, wonderful in his grace and mercy, wonderful in his intercession for us, wonderful in his coming again. His name is wonderful. Adrian Rogers tells the story of a man who was on a train and sitting beside him, and the man who had the window seat and was looking out, and he just kept saying, wonderful. Every few minutes, just wonderful. And finally, uh, the man that was sitting beside him and just said, well, what's going on? You just keep saying wonderful. And he said, you have to realize, I've been blind for several years, and I just had surgery, restored my sight. And I forgot how beautiful the trees are and how green the grass is and how blue the sky is. And as I look at them, I just have to say, wonderful. And that's what this name is trying to capture for Jesus. And if he's not wonderful, maybe we need to look at him with new eyes again this morning. Second name is Counselor. Counselor speaks of a person who guides us, who gives us advice on how to live our lives, but it's also a legal name. A counselor is an advocate, like a lawyer, someone who stands in your place and argues your case. And so some translators also combine those two names, and they believe they should be kept together. He's the wonderful counselor. And so as our counselor, Jesus is a marvel. He's a counselor to be in awe of. As a counselor, Jesus is the one who's able to guide our lives. Jesus can help us with our problems because he's the one who knows all things. He's the one with all wisdom. There's nothing that happens in our lives, but he doesn't know it. There's no problem in our lives, but he doesn't know the answer. And as counselor, we can trust his judgment. Your friends can advise you, but their advice is only as good as their wisdom. But this is the counselor with all wisdom. As wonderful, he's worthy of our praise. As counselor, as, one, uh, as counselor, he's worthy of our total allegiance. The Bible says that he is the wisdom of God. 
Isaiah prophesying about Jesus when he was going to come, he said, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is our Jesus. Some of you this morning may be just floundering. You feel like a ship without a rudder. You, you're struggling to know the will of God. You're trying to navigate your life, but you're struggling. And this morning I bring to you the person called Wonderful Counselor. He is the wisdom of God for you. The third name that we're given is Jesus is Mighty God. The psalmist talking about Jesus uh, in Psalm 45, he says, Your throne, O God, this he's talking about Jesus here, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with oil of joy. We have a conversation going on between the Father and the Son. And what's it calling them? God is speaking to God. He's mighty God. Mighty means having or showing great strength, being powerful. It speaks of having impressive power. In the Bible, the word is often used of mighty warriors, men of power. And so the name's a straightforward declaration. This baby that was born is mighty God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the God of all creation and all glory, the Lord who reigns in heaven and on earth. All heaven and earth belongs to him. He's the God who is mighty in power and reigns. No enemy can prevail against him. He's the great warrior who will conquer all things. Psalm 24 says, Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift up your, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord almighty he is the king of glory. He's talking about the gates of Jerusalem. Jesus is a God who is worthy of all our praise. As the song puts it so well, what a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. As wonderful, he's beyond human understanding. As counselor, he has all knowledge. As mighty God, he has all power. His enemies will fall before him, and none will be able to rise against him. It is he who will ride into Jerusalem, and the cry will go out, Who is this king of glory? And the answer will resound, filling the air, He is the Lord, strong and mighty. Then we come to the next name. He's Everlasting Father. Jesus, Everlasting Father. We struggle with this name. Because we're so accustomed to God the Father being called the Father, and Jesus is called the Son, and then you have the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And this almost sounds like it's calling Jesus, whom we know as the Son, is calling him the Father, calling him God and Father. And so some people take this, and they think, well, this is teaching that there is no Trinity. There is no three persons. There's only one person, and they believe that he just simply acts in different ways at different times. And so when it's appropriate, he acts as God the Father. When it's appropriate, he acts as God the Son. And when he's appropriate, he acts as God the Holy Spirit. 
But that's not what it's saying here. That's an error. In Psalm 2, we have that conversation going on again between God the Father and God the Son. He said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. There's a point in somewhere way back in eternity where they had that conversation. And the father says, I'll be your father and you'll be my son. They're co-equal, same in substance, but they took up those relationships. And so Jesus is not God the Father as we think of being the God the Father. Actually, the original has the words reversed. A literal translation would be, his name is Father of Eternity. He's the one who rules for eternity. He's the one who gives us eternal life. In their ancient cultures, father was often used to describe what someone does for someone else. So often a king would be called the father of the nation. He is the one who ruled, who provided for people and so on. They were seen as the source. And so Jesus is the source of all things good. He's the source of life and peace and forgiveness and eternity. It speaks of his love for us. He is the good shepherd. It speaks of love and intimacy, and it's everlasting. He will be our Father forever. As eternal Father, he will always be present and caring because he is the possessor of eternity. And the Bible over and over speaks to him as being that, being the everlasting God. Micah 5 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, even though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who is ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He's the possessor of eternity from eternity past to eternity future. The next name that we're given for Jesus is he's the Prince of Peace. Literally, he's the Prince whose coming brings peace. The angels announced him, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And so he was even announced with that message of peace. He's the one who makes peace between us and God. Romans 5 says that we've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But he does more than that. He's also going to bring peace to this world. Micah 5, 4 says, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. His greatness is going to go through the whole earth, and he's going to be the peace of this earth. Isaiah 2, 4 says, He will judge between nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. World War I was named the war to end all wars. What a joke. It wasn't very long before we had World War II. And then after that, it was the Korean War. And it just keeps going on and on and on. Now we have the Russian Ukraine. Ukrainian war that's happening right now. War will continue 
until the Prince of Peace comes. And the war in your hearts will continue until the Prince of Peace comes to live within your heart. And so it doesn't matter whether it's the world or it's your heart, he's the Prince of Peace and he's the answer. President Herbert Hoover of the U.S., many years ago, uh, first uh, people just loved him, but then as he had to bring in some policies they didn't like, uh, soon he was getting a lot of hate and criticism. And uh, he was once asked, he said, uh, how can you just be so peaceful when everybody's just nailing you so hard? And his first reply, he said, well, when I became a politician, he said, I understood that these things would happen. I expected it. But he said, more importantly, he said, I'm at peace because I have peace at the center. Referring to Jesus. And that's what Jesus does, is he brings peace at the center. So this morning, if you're struggling, remember that Jesus is called wonderful. When we need counselor, he's the wonderful uh, counsel, he's the wonderful counselor. When we need strength, he's the mighty God. And when we need peace, he is the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace. He did, he does, and he will. Isaiah goes on and describes the kingdom that Jesus is going to rule and peace over. Uh, we don't have time to get into that, but I'm going to just mention his points here. He says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom. His will be a kingdom of justice and righteousness, and it will be a forever kingdom. And then Isaiah closes with this wonderful thought. He says, it's guaranteed to happen. And how do we know it's guaranteed to happen? Because the zeal of the Lord God Almighty is going to make it happen. God, Jesus' Father, is zealous to make sure that the kingdom happens for Jesus. And he's going to make sure that it happens. And so, as we wrap this up, I just like how Ray Ortland just describes this passage. As the wonderful counselor, he has the best ideas and strategies. Let's follow him. As mighty God, he defeats his enemies easily. Let's hide behind him. As everlasting father, he loves us endlessly. Let's enjoy him. As Prince of Peace, he reconciles us while we're still his enemies. Let's welcome his dominion. Jesus is the perfect king, a king of justice and peace without end. If we accept Jesus as our great king, we have nothing to fear in him. He will always be for us, no matter how great or small we are. Jesus is the king and savior to all who need him. We'll never reach the limit of Jesus' strength. We'll never exhaust his storehouses of grace. We'll never outsin his patience. We'll never run so far that he can't find us. We'll never fail so hard that he can't redeem us. We'll never fall so deep he can't rescue us. His empire of grace will expand and expand and expand and expand until the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Every single moment with Jesus is and will be forever be better than the moment before. He will increase and will be with him enjoying his increase. Isn't that wonderful? I want to close with a prayer. And it's not my prayer. It's written by Dr. Ralph Wilson. So if you want to just bow your heads and we'll pray this prayer. 
Who are you, little baby? Who are you, little Christ child? Lying so quietly in manger straw, who are you that angels should herald your presence and stars announce your birth, that wise men and shepherds, the high and the low, should bow before you? Who are you, child of Bethlehem, son of David? What is your future? What is your promise? Seven centuries before your birth, the ancient scriptures speak of you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, and of peace there will be no end. What is this government? What is this peace, O Christmas baby? Are you a warrior to be? Are you a king? What promise do you hold? How can you be the mighty God while flecks of straw blown from the stable floor dot your fine hair? How is this? How can you be everlasting father while yet not an hour old? How is it? How can you be a wonderful counselor before you've learned, a teacher before you've been taught? What is the wellspring of your wisdom? What is this mystery set before us? A newborn lying in a stable manger, born of parents poor, yet destined for greatness. You must be the one we hope for, long for for all our lives. The one who will set us free from our depressions and oppressions within and without. Little wonder angels cannot contain their good news of great joy. Little wonder heavenly hosts sing in chorus, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men. Be my peace, O Prince of Peace. Let its gentle, joyful blanket comfort my nervous soul and still the warring of your earth. Be my government, O Christ. Govern not only my heart, but also this desperate world in which I live. Be my everlasting father and my counselor. By your counsel, guide me out of confusion and turmoil into the sunlight that always shines above my low-lying clouds. Welcome, Christ child. All my life I've needed you. O child of promise, this Christmas morning, I give to you my heart. Amen. <laughs> 